Amen. God is good. It's definitely, um, uh, to me, I'm, I'm blessed in being here this morning. Um, you guys are my church family, as uh, you all know. Um, I've been blessed with um, being able to serve a community in, de- in need, and not only in North Philadelphia, but in Patterson, New Jersey. We're contemplating um, Cleveland and Florida and a few other places, just to an array of, of, of work, amen? So we're busy in the Lord. My absence, please um, um, don't um, interpret it. Uh, my absence is definitely working, me working in the vineyard, amen? And I think that this church um, will continue to pray for the work that the Lord has called us to. Um, it's not simply a storybook uh, type of um, life, but it's a real life. And I'll give you a brief insight of uh, a current situation out of many that occurred. Um, um, uh, another thing, as I'm going to set up the, 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 uh, the platform a little bit, um, don't bother looking at the screen. You won't see but only a picture up there today. I'm not made out that way, amen? But that's okay. They didn't have audio and video uh, in Jesus' time. So bear with me. I'm not uh, um, built that way. Um, but nevertheless, I believe that I'm going to tell you what um, I feel the Lord wants to tell the church this morning. And I believe that's the overall desire for all of us. Amen? Amen. So I'll keep it sweet and short. Um, as you all know, we are going to the Super Bowl, right? And that's pretty awesome, you know. I I see one person with the green on today, amen. I wanted to wear my jersey so bad, but I didn't want to, huh? You too, okay. But being that uh, communion was today, I I know that that is the um, more importance of the day. Not the Eagles, but the great I am. Um, As you all know, um, the the, the game today is, is a Cinderella story. And we all know that Carson Wentz, he was the man. He got injured. And along with his injuries, a lot of us say, oh, no, including myself, we are in trouble. But Nick Wentz, Foles, I'm sorry, picks up where he left off. Many believe that it was over. But look at us now. A Cinderella story, amen? Speaking about it's over, as we are on week four of our series, it depicts, depicts um, women that were outcasts. And truth should be told, if not for God, it would have been over for them. Because of their past, they would not have been part of the genealogy of Jesus. Amen? I, there's four women, and today I, 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 bring, I speak of the fourth one, Bathsheba, of the four that are being mentioned from the Old Testament. Starting next week, the New Testament, our, uh, Dave will be coming up and giving an amazing explanation of, of the person that he has um, been assigned to speak about. But for the last several weeks, we speaking about it was over. Amen. These, this is, uh, these were women that really... Shouldn't even be in the genealogy of, of Jesus Christ, according to the sight. But because of, of who God is and who God chooses, amen, he makes 
amazing things happen in their lives. We know that Tamar um, was a woman that had instant incest, prostitution, deception, dressed up as a prostitute and committed fornication with her ex-father-in-law. We find her in, in the book of genealogy, in the, in the first chapter of the book of Matthews, Matthews 1-3. Same thing with Rehab. Rehab. She was a idolatrous, a prostitute also. Ruth, a Moabite. And Moabites, there was a law of who they were and what God wanted for them because of their, um, um, them being Gentiles and obviously um, the lives that preceded them, the, their culture. Look what it says in Deuteronomy 23.3. No Moabite shall enter the assembly of the Lord, none of their descendants, even, even to the 10th generation shall ever enter into the assemblies of God. Also, the daughters plan to have sex with their own father. And eventually they both were pregnant by their father. They should have been counted out. They shouldn't have been in the genealogy. They shouldn't have gone to the Super Bowl. But God had other plans for them. As we well know that um, in between the book of Malachi... In the book of Genesis, there's a 400 years silence. God doesn't speak. But the Jews were waiting on a king. Luke 3.15 speaks on that. Matthew writes to the Jews to present Jesus as king and Messiah, the promised descendant of David, that would reign forever. So in order to be a king, you have to come down the lineage of kings. That was the rule. So that's why when Matthew, as you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all speak to different, to different people. They present to the Romans a strong, powerful Jesus. But in order to capture the attention of the Jews, of the Jews that were waiting for a king, well, they start with the genealogy. And as it has been mentioned, as also in Matthews 5 and 6, we see three out of the four that are mentioned, that I spoke about, that are mentioned in that genealogy. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of the king of David, was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Uriah's wife. And that's Bathsheba. They're written in the genealogy of Jesus Christ, who was to sit at the throne through eternity. Now, the story of David and Bathsheba is one of the most dramatic accounts. And let me tell you, it's so easy to sway into the story of David. We're, we're speaking of Bathsheba. We, it's so easy to, to want to go and speak about David because so much happened with David. We know that from the beginning, um, he was not even counted 
as being the one to be anointed when Samuel was called to, to pray for, for the next king. He, he asked Jesse um, to bring out his children. Jesse was not even counted. Samuel had to, had to ask, is there another son? Speaking about being counted out. Amen? But nevertheless, he is part of the story of Bathsheba that makes up the story of Bathsheba. The story of David and Bathsheba is one of the most dramatic accounts in the Old Testament. One night in Jerusalem, King David was walking upon his rooftop when he spotted a beautiful woman bathing nearby. David asked his servant about her and was told that she was Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite, one of the David's mighty men. Despite the marital status, David summoned Bathsheba to, to the palace and they slept together. So as we can see, David looked, must have looked down. He was, he was the king, so I'm sure that his house was probably higher than all the others or sat up on a mountaintop. He looked down and seen a woman purifying herself. Obviously, in, in that time, we know that a woman that was having her monthly, she was in sin. You could not even touch her. It's backed up through the scriptures. Nevertheless, he looks down and sees, sees her purifying herself, and he's seen something that attracted him, which was Bathsheba. He summoned her. Now, it doesn't state whether or not um, it was consensual, but if the king called for you, you best believe you were to come. And in this case, she did. And they slept together. Bathsheba later discovered she was pregnant. And she informed David. The king's reaction was to hide the sin. David commanded Uriah to report back to him from the battlefield. Bathsheba's husband dutifully answered David's summons. And David sent him, sent him home, hoping that they would sleep together. So King David said, well, I have to hide this. He was being wise. He sent for her husband to come back to her so that maybe he would sleep with her. And by sleeping with his wife, it would come to pass that she would be sought out, that she would be pregnant, and they can say, well, her husband's child. But nevertheless, this man, this warrior chose, instead of going to sleep with his wife, he chose to stay in the quarters with the rest of the soldiers. That showed control. That showed that he was a man given to, to the call that was upon his life. He chose not to sleep with his wife. Same thing happened the second night. He stayed separate quarters to stay loyal, to show his loyalty to the other soldiers that were with him. So now that became even a bigger issue. So now what? So the king decided, well, let's send them to the front of the line. Let's send them to the front of the line so 
that he may be killed so that then he can take Bathsheba as his wife. Exactly what he decided to send him to the front of the line. He was sent and he died in war. It became apparent that David and Bathsheba's um, adultery could not be covered up. And this is repeating what I said that way. David thought of another plan. He commanded his military's leader, Joab, to place Uriah at the front line of battle, then to purposely fall back from him, leaving Uriah exposed to the enemy attack. Mission accomplished. Uriah was killed in battle. Bathsheba, Samuel eleven twenty six, 26, when Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead. She mourned for him. She mourned the loss of a husband. And in 1127, it says that after the time of mourning was over, David had her brought to his house. And she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing David had done displeased the Lord. Second Samuel 1127. When David and Bathsheba's child was born, the Lord sent the prophet Nathan to confront David. He was exposed, and the child would die. 2 Samuel 12, 13, and 14. I'll be reading the 14th. But because my doing this, you have shown other contempt for the Lord. The son born to you will die. So his punishment was, that the child, their child, their first child would die. And if I'm correct, after a week, after the child was born, which the child had no name, died. But they would have another opportunity. As I mentioned, the eagles, they had a second opportunity. The women we spoke about in the scriptures that shouldn't even be mentioned according to what the scriptures would tell us in the Old Testament, the laws, they had a second opportunity. But Shiva and David would have another son who would become the king. 2 Samuel 12, 24 says, She gave birth to a son and then named him and they named him Solomon. The Lord loved him. David and Bathsheba had a second child, a second opportunity. And he was the one that would sit, supersede his father after his death. And would eventually sit at the throne. As we know Solomon, Solomon was a wise man. And it was because... The Lord gave them a second opportunity. Speaking about second opportunities, last week as um, we were at the table serving the homeless people, our friends, we hear a few feet away from where we're standing, we hear someone say, Help, help. 
He's not breathing. It was a man called Jimmy that went to the store to buy his daughter a birthday gift of a dollar because it was his daughter's birthday, had the gift with him. He injected himself with heroin and overdosed. We got to him. He was bluish purple. He literally stopped breathing. Shortly, I'll show you a one picture that we took without showing anyone's face of the actual scene. And you will also hear a short audio of the actual situation. The Lord gave me a little bit of wisdom to turn on the um, audio recorder so that it, I wouldn't compromise. If I take pictures, I would compromise the identity of the clinicians that are working with us and the man that actually was dying. So I'll set up the scenery. We called out for help. Three of our volunteers, two are uh, nurses, and the other one is a doctor that just became, that partnered with us at the table. They came over to him. They checked his pulse. You hear no pulse. They start giving him CPR. They start pressuring, giving, giving um, pressures to his chest, compressions. And you hear his friend say, Jimmy, Jimmy, come back to us. You hear another young lady that's with them say, Jimmy, come back to the light. Jimmy, come back to the life, to the light. This man, Jimmy, if it wasn't for the ministry, the table, he would not have a second chance today. With that said, I'm going to ask Christina to place the picture that I'm talking about up there. And my phone is there. Maria, can you please give me the phone? The gentleman that you see above is at the head of Jimmy. He's checking for a pulse. The lady that's in front of him is actually doing chest compressions. The woman in front of that, which is the man, a nurse manager from an um, um, intensive care unit at a hospital, is giving some directions. Jimmy was dying. I guess this is the opportunity that I can speak about, about second chances. We've spoken about women or women. And there's many people throughout the scriptures, but in this case, we're speaking about women that had second chances to do great things. And Jimmy, after 8 to 12 minutes of being worked on, by the time the ambulance came, still had life enough that, the, that, the, that he survived. The doctor, probably at that moment, is also injecting Narcan through his nostrils to reverse the effects 
of the heroin that he shot up. God has a plan for everyone. Jimmy can be the next president of the United States. God can do with whomever and however he chooses to. I'm going to try to turn this on so that, so that you can hear some of the actual footages. Listen to what is being shown on the screen behind us. We don't have no young kids here. You might hear a, a word here, but it's just the reality of life. It was the CPR. Come on, Jimmy, get that up. gave him a pulse. What's his name? Jimmy. Jimmy what? Anybody know uh, his I name? I forget his last name. Yeah, no, I no, Jimmy what? No, uh, I forget his last name. I've known him all my Can life. Can he just do it right here? Yeah. yeah. Ambulance is taking so long. They oh, always do. Always. Good night. All right. Come on. Your friend? He's Come your on. friend? Right. No. We don't know hey. person. Oh. Everyone's our friend. No. No, I meant were you with him? Jimmy. No, no, no. the just of what I'm trying to reach on this day is God gives us the opportunity. Although there was clinicians there in the background, if you listen clearly, I started to pray. I was asking the God of these women in the book of genealogy that are mentioned here to give Jimmy another chance of life. Because although man may have all the medicine in the world, without God, nothing is possible.
Bathsheba fornicated. Her husband was murdered, lost a son, and eventually the death would suffer the death of her husband, David. And in the book of 1 Kings 2.19, she was sitting at the right hand of the king. I don't want to speak directly about the request, but more of how a woman that suffered so much now is sitting at the right hand of the king, which is her son. God's work in history is not limited by failures or sins. He works through the ordinary people. Just as God used all kinds of people to bring his son into the world, he uses all kinds today to accomplish his will. And God wants to use you. You probably have endured much. You probably have every reason why he shouldn't use you. You've probably committed or have some shortcomings. You probably, um, it's easy for us to say, including myself, I'm not worthy. But God is a God of opportunity. As he did with these four women, as he did with Jimmy, the same he can do with you. And he wants to use you. You may feel like the worst sinner. Jesus Christ is a friend of the sinners. Luke 7.34 tells us, The Son of Man came eating and drinking. And you say, here is a glutton and a drunkard. Here goes the key. A friend of tax collectors and sinners. He is our friend. You may feel like the worst sinner. And not capable of doing great things for him. He called sinners. Matthews 9.13. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous. But I've come to get Sinners, but to sinners, to call the righteous, but sinners. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. He's our friend, because we all come short of the glory of God. We feel as though we're not worthy because we're sinners, but he's come. He's come for the sinners. You may feel like you, you will be condemned for being the worst sinner. He came to save the sinners. Matthews 1.21, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from sins. We deserve death. We deserve all the above that was mentioned. We should be isolated in the island all by ourselves. But Jesus came to save us. 
to call us in spite of our present or past. And yet he was tempted. So he knows who we are, but yet he went to the cross for our sins. Hebrews 4.15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. He understands us. He knows us. He knows our weaknesses. He knows what we even think about ourselves, but he, but he tells us contrary to how we feel, how others may seem to look at us. He has a divine plan. If you feel like the worst sinner, grace and mercy. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I say stand up today. Stand up. <laughs> stand up and allow him to do what he wants to do in your life. He's called all of us, has a divine plan for us. It may seem like we failed, like we're losers, but through Christ Jesus, all things are possible. He's given us the victory. He's given you and I the victory so that we can tell the world, what he's done with our lives. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you, giving you all glory and